Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Clip and Roll. As always, I am your host, Justin Russo. And joining me once again is Tomara Zarli from Clutch Points. Because we're recording this on a Monday night, and this is going up on Tuesday. I'm just going to start calling this Tuesdays with Tomer. That's a great name. I think I think it needs a little... Like, I need to warm up to it, but I think it's a good name so far. I'll take it. So, it's it's either Tuesdays with Tomer or Tomer Thursdays. Oh, I'm not a fan of the latter. Wait, it's, it's Thursdays with... Yeah, because Thursdays with Tomer doesn't come off, you know, the tongue as bad. As, uh, as I nice feel as like I'm hosting Bl- Blues Clues or something. Is it mail time? <laughs> we just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. Hey, another Eric, Eric Bledsoe hater. We'll talk about that later, though. Yeah, we will talk about that later. There's a lot to discuss. Uh, the last time we left off, um, the Clippers were 0-2. They played okay, but didn't come away with wins at Golden State and home against Memphis. Since then, they've started 1-4 and and then rattled off four straight wins. So, you know, a lot's kind of happened in a short period of time. So we're going to go through it real quick. Um, After they start 0-2, they throttle Portland by 30 in a game where Portland turned the ball over 30 times. Clippers didn't even play that well, if we can be honest about it. The Clippers played fine. Portland also acted like they didn't know what the sport of basketball was anymore. So that helped them out. Then they play against Cleveland at home. And they look god-awful offensively. Look great defensively, but god-awful offensively. Lose that game. They go on the road in Portland. Look god-awful offensively again and lose. Now they're 1-4. and four. Paul George in that, in that game at Portland basically had half their points. So not great when that's happening. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if you remember this, Tom, Like We went to uh, practice on the Sunday, on October 31st, Halloween, remember? We go Mm -hmm. to practice and we sit there and and Ty is talking to us and we asked him these two days off because they played Friday in OKC the 29th and then they were off Saturday, Sunday, and then got Monday against OKC. So they had two days off. We asked him, are these two days off the kind of thing that could reboot the team? Kind of like get your, get you guys like, you know, a little, a little downtime, kind of reboot you, et cetera. And he said, I hope so. Well, his hopes have been kind of granted, I guess, because since the two days off, they're four and zero wins against Oklahoma city, two wins at Minnesota, a win at home against Charlotte and the comeback Clippers are back Tomer, Like they're back from last year. It's crazy, man. I don't think they ever left. Uh, yeah, I mean, considering the go make your joke. Go ahead. No, I'm not gonna say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, considering you know you're bringing back the same core for the most part with a couple extra pieces, same coaching staff with the same identity. I, I think it, it makes sense to have that same identity um, moving into this year. I'm not really surprised by that. Uh, I I will say that they're doing. I, I am a bit surprised they're doing it this early, where <laughs> their defense is, is is carry them throughout games. They just can't build leads or can't get close because they're just they can't buy a shot, and then all of a sudden they they can make shots, and their defense leads the way, and they they get out in transition, they run, they score. Now they haven't been great in transition. I think they've been pretty 
pretty average. Like they're completing, I want to say half of their shooting, half of their field goal attempts is transition right now. I think it's about half. It's like fifty to sixty percent, which is not great. Um, but they, their defense is just getting it done. They're 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 playing defense for most of the games. Like I know there's there's been times we talked about playing a complete game for forty eight minutes. I don't think it's been an issue with the Clippers. They've been playing defense for forty eight minutes outside of. I can't maybe maybe the Warriors game, but that was like because Steph kind of went nuclear, and you know you can't really do much about that. You just gotta survive that and move on. So uh, their defense has been pretty good throughout the season. It's just the offense finally picking up, uh, clicking, uh, guys getting into shape like Zoo and um, uh, Terrence and, and Luke, and uh, you know we we see we see what the, what they are so far. So. I guess the, the, the tough part is, is continuing and building off of it, considering some of the tougher opponents you have coming in. So you mentioned the transition offense has not been good this year. It has not. So according to Cleaning the Glass, which tracks this, they're 19th in transition offense, which is basically points above average, essentially is what it comes down to. Um, how many points per 100 possessions did the team add through transition play? It's just a way to determine it, and they rank it by all the teams, et cetera, et cetera. The crazy part is, while they do rank 19th, in that in, in proficiency as an in transition offensively they're third in transition frequency. So they're getting out in transition pretty much better than all, but two teams in the NBA and converting at an atrocious rate. So like if they even, if they keep getting out in transition to the level that they're getting out now, which is 19 and a half percent of their possessions, according to cleaning the glass and they actually bump up their efficiency in that, re- in that regard, which Ty Lue talked about it. Uh, after the game on Sunday against Charlotte, he said that they got to get better in transition because they're blowing way too many opportunities. If they get better in transition, I don't know how good this team can be, even with everything that's happened to them in, in recent days and weeks. Because if they're able to score in transition now, that opens up a whole new can of worms for teams that have to defend them. So so you're telling me that that getting stops and then not only getting stops, but then pushing the break and 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 increasing the pace as uh as as benefited them i wonder uh i wonder i wonder who's contributed to that you know what also helps getting rebounds that's true getting rebounding has been 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 a lot better the last couple weeks last couple days i should say terrence had a double double yesterday or the other day against uh against uh charlotte yeah Yeah, so it's, it's been better as a team they were atrocious on the glass through like the first four or five games. Like we're talking bottom three in offensive rebound rate and defensive rebound rate, which is why they weren't winning games. Cause it's hard to win games when you can't get a rebound to save your life. So, and then you combine that with them shooting horribly. It's a, it's, it's a miracle. They were even in games to be honest. So what's, what's funny is that essentially they, they, they flipped roles in the rebounding and turnover department because they were, they averaged, I believe a league low 12 turnovers per game through their first four games. I want to say, I remember looking this up. It was 12 per game in the first four games. Um, but they, they were, like you said, they were like third or fourth from last in rebounding. Um, and all of a sudden you see now they, they, they're starting to gain rebound a lot more, but they're also being a bit more careless and, and making some more errant passes. And I think they're, Back-to-back 20 turnover games, I want to say. I think PG had eight the other day. Um, it's just it's, – it's kind of like a, a, rever- a, ver- a reversal or a flip. I don't know what you want to call it, but um, it's kind of – like they're struggling to click on all cylinders on that aspect. Like once you rebound and don't turn the ball over, 
um, it'll be a lot better. But you know, so far, we haven't really gotten the best of both of those worlds. So, I mean, they're 21st in offensive rating, third in defensive rating. So, like... Grit and Grand Grizzlies. Grit and Grand Grizzlies. That's what I, I mean, that's you what laugh. You laugh and make a joke, but, like, that's kind of what it is. You laugh. The you difference is... Joke. The difference is... There's no, there's no grinding. They're not averaging 91 possessions a game. Their pace this year is 102.2. It comes in as sixth fastest in the league. And this is after, not even just after a season, like five months later and after they were, they were 28th in pace in the league. So they went from, we're going to half court you to death to, Actually, we're now going to try to run you into exhaustion and then take advantage. And you and I talked about this before we went on the air. You go and look at the Clippers and you go and look at just just second halves. Okay, so like first half, they're pretty much almost a net a net neutral in net rating uh, so mm-hmm. far this season. If you look at just second halves, they're plus 8.9 in net rating. They have a 98 defensive rating in the second halves, which is third best in the NBA. Uh, Golden State, which is an astonishing number, leads the league in the second half defensive rating, eighty-eight point eight. That's an absurd. That's an absurd. Eighty-eight point eight for Golden State. Yeah. Wow. In the Impressive. second halves of games. That's been, that's the uh, thing. Yeah. So, well, I just want to talk about this because, like, the Clippers are playing at such a prodigious pace throughout games, and yes, at times it gets sloppy, and yes, there's turnovers. Where you're just like, where, like, what was the thought process on that pass? I don't understand the decision they just made, yada, yada, yada. You see the process, though, of we're running to get our guys into shape. And when, now that our guys are into shape, we're kind of exhausting you. And in the second half of games, when you think we might be out of it, turns out you're actually tired and we're taking advantage. I mean, it's kind of what you're seeing. I mean, every team kind of. I think I think when you see teams shoot like 60-70% on them in the first half, uh you you kind of you kind of you kind of go to like the mindset of all right, they're going to cool down eventually and if the Clippers can just get, you know, get to their average, um maybe maybe you you'll see them come back and that's kind of basically what's happened. I mean Minnesota started hot from 3 uh in their second game. Uh got up to a 49-29 lead. Uh, the Clippers threw that zone out there a couple times, kind of mixed them up, started making some shots, started running in transition. Uh, Minnesota also cooled off those, those deep threes that Edwards was hitting. He was not hitting anymore. Uh, you know, neither was McDaniel's or Malik Beasley. I think shot like six of nineteen in that game. Um, so you see guys sort of regress to the mean, and then the, the Clippers pick up their play uh, just a bit on the offensive end. And uh, you've seen it a couple times now. I mean, Charlotte. I I I said this yesterday. I've I've never seen. Uh, t- you see, you see runs throughout a game, but to see a fifteen to four run followed by a twenty two nothing run on the opposite team, in in only a quarter, is just it's kind of mind boggling to me because Charlotte had all the momentum, they had all the momentum. Uh, yeah, it just it was very strange. Like I thought Charlotte was on their way to to a win. It really felt like it. Um, even though the Clippers were, were playing solid defense, I think it was like a a small stretch there where their bad shots led to some transition offense for for Charlotte and. Um, these this team just doesn't give up. Uh, they they just don't give up. They always think they can come back, and uh, I guess that that's that's a that's a fantastic trait to have, um, for a team that's down a superstar and a couple other role players. So it's been impressive so far. I, I've enjoyed watching this team. 
Um, the shooting, you know, you knew would come eventually, uh, and it's going to come and go. It happens to every team. Um, but it's been impressive to see this team fight defensively and, um, and, uh, you know, not, not really, uh, oh, they, they, they've stayed the course. They've stayed the course despite some of the struggles they've had uh, offensively. They haven't really overreacted or panicked to, to, to one thing or another. Uh, you know, when, when Marcus went out, they, they, they started Nico and they saw, um, you know, what he was doing again, like he did last year, uh, defensively for them, knocking down threes, cutting, uh, so this team just just has just has a fight about them that's uh, that's very unique. Um, I, I would, this team feels like it's been together for a long time. I, I would say that it feels like a team that's that really likes each other and been together for a long time. And it doesn't matter what lineups out there, which guys are out, uh, they're gonna fight and they have a chance to win every single night. So speaking of the comebacks, um, let's delve into them just real quick. They're one and four, and they play OKC. After two days off, we touched on this earlier. They're down in the fourth quarter with like two and a half minutes to go. They're down 91-82. They finish that game on a 17-3 run and win 99-94. They're then in Minnesota. They win the first game at Minnesota due to hot shooting. Second game, they fall behind by 20, 49-29 in the second quarter. They have an astounding turnaround in that game, which started at the end of the second quarter to trim a lead from eight deficit from 18 to 10 at the break. Then they go on this massive run in the third and in the fourth, they win by 20. They fall behind by 20 and then they won by 20, 104, 84. You don't see 40 point turnarounds all that often. The comeback against Charlotte, they're down nine with about seven minutes to go. As you said, they rattle off a 22 to nothing run but if you en- encompass everything, they finish the game on a 27 to 4 run and win 121-06. So now they've won four games in a row. Three of them were three of them they were down at pretty bad in, especially when you consider fourth quarter time and score, etc. And they win those games. And now they're 5 and 4 and everything's gone from well, I don't know what to make of this season to they're actually on a roll and they're doing this and they're not shooting well. Like they're 11th and I, 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 you can't see what I'm doing. I'm doing the little air quotes right now. I'm like, they're 11th in three point shooting. However, they're shooting 34.8% on threes. It's not like they're shooting well and they're winning games. As you mentioned, because of their defense, they're winning games because they're able to at times do well enough in half court settings offensively. They're 12th and half court offense. They're, they're doing enough. They finally got a visa Zubats looking like how we, how we know he can be over these last couple games. You know, Paul George has been P PG has been PG. Essentially. He just won Western conference player of the week. Everything about this team, Luke Kennard's been great. Terrence Mann's been great. Everything about this team is like, It's clicking, but there might be another level for them to get through because there might be a stretch this year where it's like they're making shots, they're getting stops, and they're winning in blowout fashion over like a week or two-week span. Like, not every game, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely another level to this this team. I mean, this is a team that shot the best three-point percentage last year at 41.3, I think. Um, Something like that. They were, they were the best shooting team on open threes, best shooting team on wide open threes. I also believe they were like top 
tops in 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 um in generated uh, the amount of, of open looks they generated over the year. So like again, not not much has changed. I mean, sure Kawhi is out, but they're they're playing a similar system where um sure you have you have to sort of incorporate uh Eric and Justice, but um for the most part they're playing a system that that's revolved around uh PG driving and kicking, Eric driving and kicking, Reggie's driving kick ability, scoring ability. So um I, I they definitely do have another level. I mean, I don't. I don't know if they have that level defensively. I think they're there. Um, I don't know how much better you can get without a Kawhi Leonard in your team. Like this, just it's kind of crazy how well they're playing, how well they're communicating and um, and playing defensively. But offensively, yeah, they they have another level. I think um, they're they're they haven't been crisp um, moving the ball. They've had a lot of careless turnovers. I think a lot of it is just incorrect. Um, you know movement like you know I, the other day uh eric set a screen for pg and was cutting to the to the to the top of the key and pg thought he was going down to the, to the basket and like just just a, a miscommunication there and it was a turnover for pg there's been a bunch of those kind of things that you know once they once they can you know learn learn each other's spots on the floor learn how they want to play learn the system together um you know you you clean those up and, and you know you get a shot opportunity out of it you get potential free throws out of it you stop a transition opportunity for the opponents so there's all sorts of things that go into that, but um, I, I think so far, all things considered, uh, you do have to be a little impressed with the Clippers. I, I don't know what what I would have said. Um, you know, the record would have been coming into the season, into the first nine games of the year. Um, I, I probably would have guessed maybe around a six and three um, record, maybe maybe five and four. Um, I think there were a few question marks. It also marks. depends on how you felt about some of the teams that they were going to play. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, I, I think Golden State's looked a lot better than anyone has thought. I think Memphis has looked a lot better than anyone thought. Portland has not looked as good as I don't think. I think a lot of people expected better from them. Um, you know, Minnesota's played Cleveland's a bit better. Great. Cleveland's been fantastic. Uh, they've been a pleasant surprise, and I think Charlotte's also been. You know, Charlotte's also been good. So, um, you know, all things considered, uh, I, I think you know you have to really like where they're at. Um, in every facet of the of the game, you know, defensively, offensively, who they've played so far, the type of schedule they've had, where it's what one, two, three, four games on the road, five at home, um, you know, five against some pretty tough opponents. I would say, other than OKC, a lot of those were tough: Cleveland, Portland, and Memphis. So, um, yeah, I, I think you you got to like where they're at right now um, if you're a Clipper fan. By the way, they've played the last seven games without Marcus Morris, and just to put this into perspective. Essentially, the Clippers have been without their leading and third leading scorer from last season, and they're five and four. Like, so you're saying trade Marcus and Kawhi? That's what you're saying? Uh, yeah, you, you're on to me now. Uh, wow. Before we get into Sergi Baca, real quick, I want to, I want to, we talked about this last night after the game. Um, Terrence and Luke have a very real Lou and Trez feel to them off the bench, don't they? Uh. Yeah, I, I I can see the similarities there. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the way they're able to come in against second units and and contribute uh, on both ends is has been impressive. Um, obviously, I think Luke's a better shooter, so that that really um, yes, it it changes a bit. And I think you can use more. You can have Luke just pull, has more gravity, you know, in terms of getting attention of defenses, um, getting them to react to his cuts and his off ball movement and. Um, all that, all, all those types of things. So um, it's it's a newer version, I would say. Um, I think Terrence is finally, finally starting to look like himself. Um, just just putting more pressure on the rim, 
um, playing inside. He's, he's been a great rebounder and finisher around the rim for his size. I just think he, he hasn't really done that as much until the last couple of games. So we've seen that the last couple couple games from him. Um, Luke, I mean, it, he does not need a lot of space to shoot. It's, no. it's very evident that he needs just, just a crack, and he's just like, boom, he's going to shoot and probably make it. So, um, I, I mean, he might be better – on those contested threes than he is from those like mid range top of the key pull-ups. Um, so definitely has a Lou and Trez feel. I, I, and I think they can get better too. I, again, they're playing with guys who they're, I think they're not hundred percent familiar with, you know, Serge is just getting back. Um, Eric, he's playing with the times who, who, who is still learning the system justice as well. So um, there's only, there's only room for improvement here with, with, with this, uh, with those two and the, and the lineups they play with specifically. Uh, Isaiah Isaiah Hartenstein has, has been fantastic with them as well. So, um, yeah, there's 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 a lot there. That that second unit has something. They definitely have something. All right, so let's talk about Serge. Serge came back against Charlotte on Sunday. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but I told you I had been told November seventh. That I don't know if you remember that. I don't remember that. No. No. Okay. Maybe you. Just... <laughs> maybe you're just tuning me out that day when we were. Uh, just that day. Just that day, because you need to listen to me. <laughs> Just so people understand, Tomer and I's relationship is very much me annoying him by talking too much and him just waving me to like shut the hell up. No, so I don't wave you to shut the hell up. What? What? Okay. I mean, you do. I so I have a few tendencies in person at the arena, and one of them is is I have a phrase that's either by the way, that's a phrase I use a lot. Oh, that's not just an in the arena thing. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a you thing. That's just you. That's just you. Yeah. That's, so. that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Like there are certain, fr- and if I want to, if I want to tell Tomer an interesting stat, I say, go look up. I don't even tell him the stat. I tell him to go look it up. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I, I just know, I just know I'm in for a story when you go, by the way, or, uh, what's the other term you use? Um, I'll use something else. Damn it. I forgot what I it was. I don't know. I, pro- I probably would know if you told me, I'd be like, oh yeah. Here's the thing. Remember. There it is. Oh Yeah. Here's yeah, the that's thing. the phrase. Here's the thing. That's when I know I'm in, I'm in for I'm in for a treat right there. I'm I got I got to get some popcorn, sit down, and really hear this. You know what I mean? So, and I'm a very handsy talker. Like yeah, my, my my hands my, are always in motion. Yeah, my camera's caught every one of his uh, hand wave motions too. You know when he's talking, asking questions. So, uh, so but, but yeah, let's Serge. talk about Surge. Um, we talked about it. It was interesting uh, last night to watch. He was the first one we got for post game, which hallelujah. Um, eight minutes, 20 seconds. What'd you see? What'd you like? What didn't you like? Too soon to tell. Go. Um, I really think he, he, he didn't. Um, he should have. He should have fouled out at this point. Like if you're going to get five and eight minutes, just foul out. Just, he would have if not for the block. Like, Ty, pull me out. That's true. I would be like, Ty, just pull me out and and let me uh let me uh foul out. That's what I would have done. Let me let me get a few more minutes here. Let me give another foul to Lamelo or whatever and uh, foul out. Um, I love your dog. Nah, by I mean, the way. there's a motorcycle here and he's just going crazy. I don't. I, I think he it. knew we were recording and he's like, all right, screw you guys. Um, that's okay. He had an opinion about Surge. It's okay. Um. <laughs> I don't know what else what, what there is to say. Surge had a really impressive block. Uh, they they called it a foul initially. It was one of the cleanest cleanest blocks I've ever seen, to be honest with you, where it was literally all body, all all ball at the top, one hand to one hand. I got the ball, 
um, not really any body contact that, that would have affected it. And uh, yeah, so he got that block. Other than that, I uh, he looked rusty, and I don't know what else you would have really expected from him. Uh, he's trying to get his conditioning up. He's uh, I think he had a three point attempt that was wide left, but um, I think all in all it was okay. It was okay. He really looked like he didn't want to look at the rim. Yeah, I mean, I think he had I think he had a driving a driving attempt. Actually, his best look of the night actually would have been a driving attempt that he passed out. He had a floater, like a five foot floater, and he passed it out. And uh, I think the Clippers ended up scoring off of it. I think it was a corner three from someone. But yeah, Serge had had a look there. So, I mean, look, first game in you know since May, fifth game since March, I believe. So March twenty um, May twenty fifth, March May twenty fifth. Yeah, May twenty fifth. May twenty fifth. Yeah, first game since then, and he looked exactly how I would expect him to look. You know, I mean, you haven't played basketball that long. Go, go don't do anything for six months and then go try to play basketball. Let me know how that goes. Um, I look, he has to knock the rust off. This process is something you have to go through to get to where you want him to be down the line. So it was what it was. I'm glad he got court time. I found it very interesting that Ty decided to go with a full three center rotation. Found that actually interesting. Um, but look, Serge is going to take time. He admitted it to us in post game. He said, it's going to be a process. It's going to take some time. He said and it was he rough. His first few minutes were rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the word it was rough. That's what he kept saying. How was it? So rough. it was rough. Yeah. Um, but Marcus is still out. Marcus Moore senior still out. Been out since the second game. Uh, he played the first two games, been out since we've heard nothing We've watched him in practice. We, we've watched him do the five on fives. You and I have. So uh, the thing is, with Serge, you knew the only issue was uh, working on the movement, working on the stretches, working on the contact, and uh, improving his conditioning. Um, with Marcus, who, when we started in media day, everyone was supposed to participate. Everyone was close to one hundred percent, if not one hundred percent. You know, Marcus participated. I think he had that that line where I asked him if he was one hundred percent. He said nobody's a hundred percent, you know, at this point in their careers. And then he plays two games and was not good. Uh, did not move well, I would say. He did not move well. And then he just he's just out for knee strengthening, uh, strengthening. So I don't, I don't, I don't. It's really unclear what his timetable could be or what his next step kind of kind of is. You know, with Serge, you knew what it was, but with Marcus, it's entirely dependent on how he feels and. I honestly, I mean, I don't know if you could rule out him being out for a significant amount of time. Um, just because you don't, you don't know with, with, with that, with that knee, you don't know how he's feeling. Um, you know, they haven't really been very open about it. Um, and so you, you just don't know. I like, I, I don't know what the next step for him in a return is. Is it, is it being able to play five on five, uh, you know, long for longer stretches? Cause we've seen him play five on five at practice. So it's not that. Is it taking contact? Because he takes contact there. So what's the what's the, the step in conditioning? What's the step to, to, for that knee um, that needs to take place for him to come back? I don't really know what that is, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm with you. It's, good. it's just going to be something that we have to monitor. And, I mean, whenever they practice next time, maybe we'll see more. And you, kinda you know have what's going to happen? That. You know what's going to happen? One of these days we're going to forget to ask Ty uh, the starters. And all of a sudden we're going to see the starters in the – Marcus is in the starting lineup. 
Well, you know what's funny is no one asked Ty on Sunday who the starters were. Uh, against Charlotte? Yeah, Charlotte. No, I think someone did. No, someone did. No, no. Are you sure? Yeah. Well, we got we got to ask them. Yeah, we we got to stay on top of that. But um, yeah, essentially, I just I don't know I don't know where you go. I don't know where you go with that. It's it's tough. So because the interesting but, discussion for the cl- go ahead go ahead. No, no, no. I I said what I had to say. I just I, I really think people people should be prepared for a Marcus possibly returning in two days or not returning for two months. Like you just don't know. I just don't know what what that what strengthening the knee consists of. Considering he had the preseason, off season. Um, you know, you know what I mean? Like I, I, you just don't know. Right. Well, to be fair, it's not called knee strengthening. They just return. They just termed it as knee conditioning. Um, so I believe if I'm not mistaken, at some point it was listed as knee strengthening. Oh, for one of the injury. I think earlier in the season it was listed as, um, let's see where it was. I mean, either way, there, the interesting discussion with Marcus is when he comes back, is he still the starting foreman? Because, I, I mean, that's a that's an interesting debate between him and Batum at this point, you know? So, I mean, that's going to be the decision that has to be made by Ty, by mm-hmm. Marcus, by by Nico as a, you know, collect- at the end of the day, it's Ty's call, but he is going to get input from guys. I, I don't. I don't know that you can. I mean, last year you went back to Marcus and that was fine. I, I don't know that you can do that this time around. Um, I, I think the, the, the first unit has so much, so much, um, so much chemistry. Um, they they seem to really know each other. I like. Well, here's they're learning to know each other, and I don't know if you want to disrupt that by throwing Marcus in. I feel like you sort of reset that in a way. You know what I mean? Like. Marcus and Nico, Mar- uh, Nico and, and Reggie and, and Eric and PG are learning to play with each other. They're learning where to play, where they, like, where they like the ball on the floor and all that. And if you kind of throw Marcus in there, I feel like you kind of just reset that. I don't know if you want to go through a reset like that whenever Marcus is able to return. I mean, maybe I'm wrong and it'll be early in the season to where it's okay to do that. But it, it, it might be tough. It might, it might not look pretty if you do that. So, Well, we're going to finish today uh, before we start a recording you and I were talking about this and I'm going to let you go first. I have it jotted down in my episode notes as Eric Bledsoe discussion. So take it away. Sorry. It was called left knee conditioning is what it was called. That, that was, that was the term oh, okay. that was used for Marcus. Yeah. Okay. That was the day of his injury that was announced. Um, yeah. Uh, people who were, who look, I, I get that Eric Bledsoe has, has missed shots. He has not looked good um, as a scorer, but I think people really just need to, calm the hell down with the amount of um you know i see accounts switching their name to trade bledsoe or uh bledsoe is the worst player and i'm like dude can you guys relax you're literally nine games into the season um won four games in a row uh bledsoe has uh i mean i don't know what you need to hear other than pg and ty saying bledsoe's impact comes more than 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 what he provides as a shooter as a scorer like the i i've asked about this a couple of times just so I, I can work on a piece to, to write about and it's just like his his value goes beyond just making or missing a layup or making a bad pass here or there it's 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 the clippers are top five in pace this year and they were 
what did Ty say they were last year? Twenty seventh or something? Twenty sixth? It was twenty eighth. It was twenty eighth. Yeah, so they, they 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 did not push the ball in transition last year, and I think part of that is you had you had Kawhi, so maybe you didn't have to, but also you had Pat Bev, so you didn't. Um, well, you had Reggie as well, but he's not really. I don't think he's really a transition guy. Like he's, I think he likes to to slow slow the game down, playing a half court offense. Eric has been Eric has done a good job of pushing pushing the break and at least giving the Clippers opportunities, if not you know putting some pressure on the defense and 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 allowing a play maybe like a secondary break play to develop from his from his aggressiveness. Um, you know the Clippers are a good defensive team because of Eric Bledsoe. Um, I I would question how good they are defensively. I I don't think it would be as good if you say put a Terrence in or a um, a Luke Kennard in his place. I, I don't I don't know if they're as good right now. So I, I just think people really need to cool it on, on Bledsoe. Uh, this is an, a guy who's working his way into a brand new team, a uh, brand new system. Uh, I think last year he struggled because I don't know that New Orleans necessarily wanted him. And um, I, I think w- when you're unwanted, it kind of does something to your psyche, especially when you're playing and you have to play at a high level. Now everyone can say, yeah, you make millions, but uh, these are people too. And so when you come from a team that didn't really want you, you weren't really fit, fitting with, um, and, and you see the team that just traded you win a title, I think that that does something to you. So it takes time for him to – it takes time for a lot of guys. Some guys maybe more than others. But I think it's going to take him time to, to, to not be in his own head. You know, yesterday, Miriam and I had a great angle at that one layup he missed. And I could see – I saw his eyes looking to the corner to make a pass. It was just – it looks like he's just – he wants to be unselfish – and it, it reminds me of what Luke Kennard went through last year where he got here and, and he didn't want to shoot as much. He wanted to sort of fit in and, and not seem selfish and, and you know, make, make the right pass, make the, extra, make the extra pass and all that. And I think this, Eric is going through the same thing where, where he's just, he wants to be unselfish. He doesn't want to make it about him. Um, he's trying to get everyone involved, doesn't want to make the right play. And I think when you overthink that, it causes you to miss shots like that. You know, if, if you're questioning whether I'm taking the right shot while you're taking that shot, that that's not good. Like it's not, it's not going to help you make that shot. So I think I think he's still working through his own confidence and, and learning the system and, and how to play with the guys. And um, I think they just want him to be himself. And I think that that comes with time. That doesn't come right away. Again, I don't think Bledsoe has been good offensively. I'm not saying he's good. He hasn't been good. But I think there's been a large overreaction to strictly him as a player uh, because of his offensive struggles, his shooting struggles. Like, I don't think you can just judge him based off his shooting struggles, which is what a lot of people are doing. Um, calling for him to, calling for people to, uh, you know, for Ty to change the lineup and all that. Like, I, I, it's working for now. Uh, it's, it's a small sample size, but it's working. Let him figure it out. I mean, Bletz is going to play whether he's a starter or a bench player. So let him just figure it out. Let the team figure it out. Ty knows what he's doing. Ty's not afraid to pull the plug. We've seen that before. So just l- let, let them do their thing. Uh, and you're, if you're a fan, I mean, support the guy as opposed to shitting on him. Um, I, I just I just can't see why, why you would try to crap on the guy like this. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what I have to say. I think I kind of rambled on a bit. But that's kind of – it just bothers me seeing people kind of pile on like this when I'm like, I, the, guy, the, guy, the guy's been decent defensively. The shots haven't gone in, and that's pretty much it. Like that comes with time. So, yeah, rant over. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I do want to piggyback on what you said though, because you mentioned very early on when you were talking that all you have to do is listen to Ty and PG, 
And I'm going to bring up three things that they've brought up in regards to Eric Bledsoe. Number one, what Ty talks about, obviously how the pace of the team is partially tied to what Bledsoe does by getting them in transition more often and trying to get them playing with a tempo. And if you look, and as we talked about earlier, what's been the theme for the Clippers in these four wins, in, in three of the four wins, which is they run, 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 other team gets exhausted, Clippers nip them at the line, get the win. We've seen that now several times already this year. Maybe there's some truth to what Ty's saying about the pace being a factor. Number two, Ty's also talked about how Bledsoe's the guy who's the primarily on, primary on-ball defender, which saves PG from having to be the top perimeter defender, top scorer, et cetera, et cetera. Number three, Eric's also being able to handle the ball a little bit more as we've gone on through the games. Thus, PG doesn't have to do it as much anymore. PG's having more touches. I looked this up earlier today because I was actually very curious about this. And I do think there is a direct correlation between what I'm about to say and with Eric Bledsoe. If you go back to last season and you look at the numbers, Paul George averaged six. This is from second spectrum. Average 68.8 touches per game. He's up to 80.4. That's a big jump. That's a very big jump. But it's because his minutes are up and because Kawhi Leonard's not there. So obviously, and Marcus isn't there either. So your touches are naturally going to go up. On that same line of thought, his average seconds per touch have dropped from 3.97 to 3.88. And his average dribbles have slightly dropped from 3.3 to 3.23. Now, you might say, well, that's really not that big of a difference in terms of time per touch and average dribbles and et cetera. Well, while that is true, they have gone down, and that's partially because he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands as often, meaning because Eric Bledsoe's there, because Reggie Jackson's also there, the ball is kind of moving a little bit more, and thus PG doesn't have to get stagnated offensively and do a bunch of other things. The thing with Bledsoe that I do want people to think about this is his third team in 12 months. In one year, he's been on three teams because he got traded from Milwaukee to New Orleans late in November 2020. So late a month, a year ago this month, he was traded from Milwaukee to New Orleans, plays in New Orleans. Now he's on the Clippers. And if you really want to look at it, he was on three different teams in about eight months, okay? So this guy's been all over. It's just the way it went for him. And that's a mental toll. There, you As Tomer, as you said, you don't want to step on toes. You don't want to try to do too much. You don't want to try to overextend yourself because then, you know, like you want to fit in. You don't want people to dislike you at, at a new job. That's essentially, that's a human emotion. You want people to dislike you when you go somewhere new, you know? But you have to give this time, and you mentioned it. We've seen Ty make adjustments. Last season, people were fed up with Reggie Jackson 10 games into the season. And Ty was like, you know what? We got 10 games worth of data. This three-guard bench lineup of Lou, Luke, and, and Reggie wasn't working. Reggie's going to be back in the rotation at some point, but we want to try some things out. Who's to say Bledsoe doesn't move to the bench because try, Ty is trying some other stuff out? 
or that Bledsoe stays in the starting lineup and try tie tries some. I, I keep messing up try and tie, so that's great. And and but what I'm trying to say is like Ty will make the adjustments when he gets the data. I don't think people should fall over themselves, as you said, to shit on this guy who is trying and is helping, even though he's not making shots. So I don't know what to tell you. Like, if he was hitting 35% of his threes, are people a little bit less up his ass about everything? Possibly. But also, who cares? Because the tempo's there, the rebounding's there, the assists are there, the defense is there. He's averaging two steals a game, and people are pissed. I, and he's, I, had, he's also had some big blocks, too. Some, yes. some big deflections. So Yes. Cut yeah, the guy some damn slack, man. I mean, last year, Reggie Jackson, like you just said, I mean, he had a stretch early in the season where the Clippers were 6-7, 6 and six, seven, eight, 11, 12. 12 and four uh, to start the year. 12 wins, four losses. Uh, Reggie had a game where he played two minutes, six minutes, eight minutes, three minutes, three minutes, and then three DNPs. So you have those five single digit game, single digit minute, uh, single minute games, as low as well as three DNPs, and that guy ended up starting for you as you're in the playoffs and um, you know probably saving you a few games. So. Um. It, yeah, I just it's it's tough to judge someone off their first what f- nine. nine games of the team, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nine of which honestly he was really really good the first game. I mean he was fantastic that first game against the Warriors. Um, I think the biggest thing I will say with him is yeah, some of the shot selection like like the off the dribble threes, um, they're not ideal. I, you know, I, I even I look at him and go, ah, that's not great. Um, but. He, he's doing other things too. So like, I think those will come with time. His shooting will come with time. Um, like, I don't think he's been, I'll look this up real quick. Um, but I think he's been a decent mid range shooter slash three point shooter, um, over his career. Not great, not great, but he's been decent. So, uh, and, and Ty has said he thinks his shooting will come. So, um, if yeah, I can we'll cut see. you off for a second, if I can cut you off, you and I had this discussion after the second, Minnesota game um, when they're down 20, come back and win by 20, that one, you and I are having a text discussion in that third quarter when they're making that run about how good Eric Bledsoe has been in the third quarter. Mm -hmm. And all I saw were people shitting on him Mm -hmm. because he was one of six from the field. And I'm just completely perplexed at what people were watching. And I'm not trying to say like, I know basketball better than other people. I'm not trying to say, I was like, I'm watching a game going, this guy's been incredible on defense and rebounding and passing and pushing the pace and getting to the free throw line through sheer force of will. And people are just like, well, he's not making shots. So he sucks. And I'm like, I don't (laughs) like, I think, I think we need to have, I think people need to take a step back and have like an honest discussion about him where it's like, no, he's not making shots, but he's doing everything else pretty well. And I think that's okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's pretty much where I'm at with it. Like, I don't, I don't know what else there is to say about it. I mean, uh, you know, I think he was a big reason the Clippers have gotten the bonus. I think against that Minnesota team, uh, I guess Memphis. I think there was a point too. So, like, uh, th- yeah, he's he's doing everything but making shots, and that'll just come with time. So, like, like I literally the play yesterday 
where I watched him drive. He had the wide open layup off the steal. And he looked, he just moved his eyes to the corner. And I'm like, oh, he's looking to pass. And then he missed the layup. Terrence got it, put it back, and got fouled. And they laughed about it. And you and Luke was standing there in the corner, I believe. There was someone standing in the corner. And I was like, yeah, he's just looking to pass. Like he just he overthought it when, you know, maybe four years ago, that, that's a dunk. That's a dunk for Bledsoe. So I uh, just give him time. I, I, th- I think he'll get over it. Uh, you know, he'll get, he'll get through this, but um, yeah, I just think there's been, there's been a nasty, nasty overreaction to, um, to, to Bledsoe so far. And it's uh, just kind of annoying to see is all, but um, you know, hopefully Bledsoe is able to come back and play well, uh, shoot the ball. Well, I should say, cause he's been playing pretty well. So yeah, that, that's all I have to say about it. All right. You ready to go finish watching Monday night football? <sighs> It's 14 nothing. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's go watch Monday Night Football. Everybody, take it easy. Well, uh, Clippers play, by the time you're hearing this on Tuesday, Clippers are playing at home against the Portland Trailblazers. That is, I can't believe it. It's actually their third game against Portland out of the first 10 games. That's kind of unreal. That's well, when, great scheduling. Win the NBA. season series or at least get, get, get the two games so you can not worry about that later. Yeah, like, like that's a big game because whoever wins it, guaranteed a season split. Guaranteed. Yeah, at the worst. And that might come in handy, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see because Dame got going at the end of the fourth quarter against them up in Portland, and he looks like he might actually have found his shot again, which is kind of scary, so that's cool. Um, everybody take it easy. We'll see you all later in the week. Stay safe. You know, Drive, drive safe. Wash your hands. Don't forget your glasses at home. And uh, I was about yeah. to say, don't forget yeah. your glasses at home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wanted to stick that in before. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Word of advice to people. If you wear regular prescription eyeglasses and you have a set of prescription sunglasses, please don't leave your prescription prescription eyeglasses at home when you go to cover a, a game at night. Because let me tell you what's going to happen. It's You're going to look suck. like a Terminator interviewing and people Tyrone are going to make Lou. fun of you. Yeah, and people are gonna make fun of you. Fantastic! Oh, it was incredible. My God, I got called three <laughs> blind mice. I got called a poker player. Everything was great last night. How was, how was LASIK eye surgery? Yeah, LASIK. Every that was what everyone thought I had LASIK eye surgery the first time they saw me. You should have just so ran with it. I should have. Like, yeah, I got. I yeah, mean, but that's way better excuse than I forgot my glasses and now I have to look like the Terminator. I mean, Ty, Ty I looked at you for like ten seconds, like what the hell is wrong with this guy. Now, you know, when I show up tonight with my regular glasses, he's going to look at me and just be like, where's the sunglasses? And I'm just going to have to explain the story. I might I might, uh, I might, just blurt that out loud as, as you start. Like, no sunglasses, Justin. There you go. <laughs> Thanks. Start it that way. All right. Everybody, take it easy. We'll see you all later. Stay safe. Social distance. Uh, be careful on the roads. It is getting. It is now getting darker earlier, so be careful. We'll see you all later. Tomer, you got anything for the people? Uh, I've really enjoyed Rocky five. So watch the Rocky series. I'm on Rocky Balboa, the sixth one. So I'll let you guys know how that is the next time I'm on this pod. So hold on. You enjoyed Rocky five. Yes. The one with, with, with Tommy Gunn. No one enjoyed Rocky five. I, uh, dude, I don't understand the hate. Like it's, it's easily, I think the worst of all the movies, but it's not okay, bad. That's fine. Okay. It's I see what the you're worst okay. of them all, but like, I still enjoyed it. I thought I, I, I will admit the through, through 40 minutes. I watched it and I, and I paused it for like three days. And I was like, hmm, I don't know about the storyline. <laughs> and then I came back to it and I finished it and I'm like, oh, this is nice. I, I enjoyed it. Street fight, not an actual fight. I thought it was cool. It was interesting. 
by the way, la- last night at the arena, Tomer had to be told that Antonio Tarver, who is the opponent for Rocky in Rocky Balboa, was not a real yet. life boxer. Yeah, I didn't know. So that, that was fun. But I'm also yeah. not there well, yet, so. So let me let me tell you something. You and I are going to talk boxing a lot. I'm going to get you into boxing so you can understand. Oh God, I... <laughs> oh God, that's that's All my right. that's that, that's now my that's now my goal in life is to turn you into a full flesh. We're going to go to a boxing match together. I promise you. A boxing match together. <laughs> have you never been to a bo- like? Have you never been to a high profile boxing match? No. Why would I go to a boxing match? Oh, dude. Oh, you make I'm it sound like you. you're a boxing watching veteran over here, dude. I've been watching boxing for like thirty years. Oh my god, I just aged myself. Yeah, you so, you old, you old son. That, that was bad. Yeah, well, it was more like twenty five years, but yeah. <laughs> I remember nah, watching nah, nah, nah. Tyson. You, you can't make this up now. You can't make this up. I remember 30. watching Tyson Holyfield when Tyson bit Holyfield's ear. I remember that exactly where I was and what I was doing when that happened. I was watching that fight in the backyard of my dad's friend's house. And we were watching it on pay-per-view. And when it happened, I just remember being like, oh my God. Like it was it was such a crazy event. I've I've been to big time boxing matches. I've been to Vegas for boxing matches. I've been to boxing matches in LA. I've been to of course I've been to MMA events because I love MMA too. We should but go like, I, Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go, go, go. We should watch uh, Frank Gore versus Darren Williams as the undercard. All right, everybody, I'll see you later. I'm going. All right, everybody, take it easy. Stay safe. We're out. I hate you so much. All right, everybody, stop laughing. I got to end this. I hate you so much. All right, bye. This is crazy.